You know, there's a lot of different words in the English language. In fact, I was reading the other day that some was speculating that there were a million or more words, but it really was kind of hard to put a number on because new words are created every day, and new words come from different languages and translated into the English language. But I think we can all certainly agree that there's a lot, right? There's a lot of words. And it's amazing how the words can be used and paired together and sentences can be formed, but you know, it's kind of the old principle that less is more. You know, it's amazing with all the words there are to choose from and all the sentence structures and all the ways you can pair words together and make great intelligent sentences. It's amazing how much emotion can be conjured up in us with just two words. Play ball. For an athlete, you know, that kind of gets the juices going. You know, when you hear that word, those words, play ball, it just gets you excited to get on the field or get on the court and, well, get on with the game. Well, for food athletes like me, dinner's ready, right? <laughs> I mean, dinner's ready. That, that kind of gets the juices flowing. You, you, you just smell it coming, and, and you're just waiting for it. But finally, when you hear those words, dinner's ready, it, oh, my goodness, it just brings up all kinds of great feelings on the inside. Merry Christmas. And those two simple words, it just makes you feel a little bit better, doesn't it? Now, listen, I'm not a political guy, and I'm not making this into a political thing at all, but I was in Memphis this past weekend for my son's basketball tournament, and, and a lot of different places we went to, as we left, people would say, happy holidays. And I mean, I get it. I'm the business side and political correctness and all that, but I just missed hearing Merry Christmas, you know? When you hear those words, Merry Christmas, there's just something about it that just, it just makes you feel better, even if you don't want to feel better. And generally, you, you say it back. I'm sorry. Isn't it amazing how when you hear those two words, man, a lifetime of anger and resentment that builds up within us, it just kind of begins to fade away. The clouds begin to lift. It just kind of disarms us a little bit when we hear those words, I'm sorry. How about thank you? And there's something about those words that just, just makes everything that you've done for another person or a group of people, it just makes it worth it. Isn't it amazing how thank you can be so much more valuable to you than even money or gifts? Thank you just means the world. Well, tonight I want to remind you of a very familiar passage of Scripture, a passage of Scripture that most of you have been brought up with your entire lives. But I want us tonight to reflect upon two words in that Scripture. And I want us to reflect on how powerful those two words are, how powerful they were in the original Christmas story, but how powerful they are to you when you truly come to understand the meaning of those two words. You remember how Luke records it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was, as they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign to you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Oh, you can only imagine what that must have been like for those shepherds. You know, most of the time when we think of shepherds, we think of the Christmas pageants that we've seen, and we see rosy cheeks little boys with bathrobes and blankets on them. Well, that's not what these shepherds looked like at all. These were real men. They were hard men. They were men whose skin had been leathered because of their occupation keeping them out in the sun all day long. They were men who had dirt and grit and even blood in their fingernails because the occupation required them not only to be outside, but they were protectors of people's sheep. And sometimes they had to kill predators in order to protect those sheep. It was a noble profession. Now remember, some of the great men in the Old Testament were shepherds. Abraham had flocks. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. But it was low on the social totem pole. These men were probably uneducated men. Many of them would have been considered unclean and not worthy to be able to come into the temple and worship just because of the nature of their occupation and, well, having to do what needed to be done to keep predators away from their sheep. And all of a sudden, on this ordinary night, here they are in the fields of Bethlehem, and an angel appears before them. Now, the definition of an angel in the Bible is simply a messenger of God. And so they recognize this messenger of God before them, and they hear this incredible message, that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, the term Christ means Messiah, so they're hearing a message that the Messiah had been born. The term Lord was a translation of the word uh, that spoke of the covenant name of God. So, God the Messiah had come. And then Savior, a Savior has been born in Bethlehem. And the shepherds certainly would have looked around at each other thinking to themselves, can you believe this is happening? Is this, seriously, is this real? 
But they hear this message from the angel and all of a sudden light shines around them and there's an angelic chorus that surrounds them and they're able to get a glimpse of what heaven is like right there on earth as the angels are praising God for what he had done. You know, I don't know how much those shepherds really understood about what the angel had said. I wasn't there. Don't know the shepherds. And I don't know how much they understood about the significance of Messiah and Lord and Savior and the prophecies of Bethlehem. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but I'm telling you, there were two words that they heard. There were two words that they understood, and those were these words. Unto you. Unto you. That would have been hard for them to believe, right? Oh, it would be easier to believe that an angel was coming with a message to Caesar Augustus unto him or a message for Quirinius, governor of Syria, unto him or that uh, the Messiah had been born and the message was, was to be proclaimed to the religious leaders or the political leaders or the rich folk. But it was the shepherds in the field of Bethlehem who heard those words unto you. Listen, here's what I want you to know tonight. Christmas is not a feeling. Really important you understand that. Christmas is not a feeling. Christmas is the fact that unto you was born that day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now you may say, what does that mean to me? Why in the world would I need a Savior? Well, let me tell you. Listen, the Bible tells us that God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible also tells us that God created you and me. He created us for the purpose that we would worship Him, that we would walk with Him. The Bible tells us that God desires for us to have eternal life. Jesus, who is God, as you heard in the passage that was read a few moments ago, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Listen, He wasn't talking about abundant as far as possessions are concerned. He was talking about just abundance of joy and abundance of peace and abundance of the riches of heaven that you know within you. But the Bible also tells us that you and I have a problem. A problem that keeps us from knowing this incredible life with God, and that problem is called sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the hand of the Lord is not so short that it cannot save, neither his ear so heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have caused a separation between you and your God, and your sins have caused his face to be hidden from you so that he does not hear. Think with me for a moment. I said to you earlier that God created you, and he had a purpose for you, a purpose that you would worship him and you would walk with him. Because we are sinners and our sin separates us from God, that's not just an eternal separation, but it's also a separation here and now. And so what that means is 
that though God has created you and has a purpose for your life, you're not going to be able to know that because of that separation between you and Him. Isn't that sad? The one who made you and had a plan for you before you were ever born. The one who wants better for you than you even know how to want. Our sin separates us from Him. That's what's meant when the Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. It's not just talking about physical death. None of us are going to escape that. That's reality for us all. But it's speaking of spiritual death. That separation from God. But Christmas is the message of God's provision of salvation. You see, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You heard read a minute ago about who Jesus is in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John would go on to write in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, God came down to the earth for you. You see, as sinners, we can't make ourselves holy. Imperfection can never make itself perfection, can it? And once we sinned and fell short of the glory of God, then we deserve to be separated from Him. So our only hope is for a Savior, and Christmas is the message of that Savior. God came down. That was the message to the shepherds. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Messiah, the Lord. He has come unto you. Jesus came and revealed to us who the Father is. Jesus came and revealed to us the truth about our sins. It was Jesus who taught us on the Sermon on the Mount. Listen, murder is not just a, a physical act. It begins in the heart. Ad adultery is not just a physical act. It begins in the heart. It says you're to love people who, who, who don't love you. You're to do good to people who don't do good to you. You see, Jesus exposed the truth of who we are. He exposed our sin, and He showed us what was separating us from God. But the Bible also says about Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Listen, it was the theologian Thomas Torrance who said, in Jesus at once we have the perfect revelation of God to man and the perfect correspondence on man's part to that revelation. You see, God knew that you and I were never going to be perfect. And so God, in His perfect love, provided us a perfect Savior. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, that's how Jesus is the Savior. At Christmas, 
we celebrate how that babe is wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And on Good Friday, we remember how that babe grew up to be an adult who would be wrapped in linen cloths and laid in a tomb. But just as he would burst forth from those swaddling clothes, so he would burst forth from those linen cloths. Jesus would die on the cross and experience the wrath of God that you and I deserved so that we could have a righteousness that we could never earn. Jesus took on that separation from the Father so that we would never have to be separated again. He died on that cross. He was laid in the tomb. And on the third day, he was raised again, showing that he was victorious over sin and death and all that was keeping us from God, opening the way for us to come to him. That's why Jesus could say in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. You see, Christmas reminds us of God's plan for us. It reminds us of the problem that we have. It reminds us of God's provision, but it also leads us to respond, right? Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does it mean to believe in him? It doesn't mean to just believe that Christmas actually happened and that Easter actually happened, but believe means to have faith in, to lean upon, to trust in. It means to turn from the way that we've been living our lives in repentance from sin and trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives. Jesus said, if any man desires to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen, repentance begins with a change of mind. It begins with a change of heart, a change of direction, which leads us into following Jesus. When the shepherds first heard that message, they looked at each other and they said, we've got to go to Bethlehem. In fact, in the Scripture, it's actually repetitive. You don't see that in the English, but that's what it's speaking of there in the Greek. It's a repetitive saying. They were saying, we've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to go. And so the shepherds, as quickly as they could, they did exactly as the messenger from God had said, and they went to Bethlehem and they saw this child, this Savior, this Messiah, the Lord, for themselves, and they made widely known all that had been told them concerning this child. But what blew him away were those two words. Unto you. Again, I want you to know that Christmas is God's gift unto you. It's the gift of salvation through Jesus the Messiah. The question tonight is, have you received that gift? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Again, if you've never done that, The way to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord is to acknowledge God's love and acknowledge your sin and acknowledge His gift of a Savior. Turn from your sin and turn to the Savior. Will you do that? Will you accept His incredible gift of salvation?
That's what Christmas is really all about. Remember, Christmas is not a feeling, but it's the fact that unto you was born on that day a Savior who was Christ the Lord. Don't miss that gift. In just a moment, Michael's going to come and we're going to sing Silent Night together. And as the candles are lit all over this room, I want you to think about those two words, unto you. Pray with me, please. Our Father, as we bow before you tonight here in this place, we praise you for the gift of salvation through Jesus. What incredible words those are. Unto you. Father, truth be told, we can think of all sorts of reasons of why you shouldn't save us. We can think of all people that we might look at as more deserving. But you see us just as we are. You know our mistakes. You know everything there is to know about us. And yet Christmas is still unto us. Father, thank you that salvation is not based upon our perfection, but is a gift of your perfect love. Thank you for Jesus who alone can be our Savior. And Father, I pray that we will come to an incredible understanding and an appreciation of your gift of Christmas. And Father, I pray that we will live as a people who know that we're loved by you. Father, help us to show people around us what abundant life actually looks like. as we embrace your incredible gift of Christmas. Thank you, Lord, that unto us was born that day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen.